Welcome to Wizard Team, a Black magical podcast for Black magical stories. Hi everyone, it's Bayana, Robin, and Portia embarking on a journey through the many fantasy stories written by and about Black people. Um, and today we're super excited to be joined by Lily Mead, author of the YA speculative thriller, The Shadow Sister. Hi, Lily. Thank you for, for joining Hi. us. <laughs> um, yay. Okay. So I guess first off, let's just very briefly, um, can you tell us what The Shadow Sister is about? Okay. Um, this is my favorite and least favorite part of the process. Am I allowed to say the B word on this podcast? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, the Shadow Sister is about two sisters who don't really get along. Um, the opening line of the book is, my sister is a bitch, but that doesn't mean I want her dead. And I, I love pitching it like that because I feel like that's a really great way to get across how they feel about each other. <laughs> so not always like the right crowd to say that but then one of the sisters goes missing and when she returns from her abduction she's changed in ways that trauma alone can't explain so it's kind of a spooky thriller i love this i love like i loved reading that like first line being like oh okay i, I see this is <laughs> they're having some issues and that's fine we're gonna we're gonna work it out <laughs> Everybody really loves that first line. When I submitted it, like, I totally expected my publisher to change it because they had a really big school and library focus. And I was like, mm. probably can't get away with bitch being the fifth word of my novel. <laughs> but everybody loves it. And it's gotten to a point where I'm like, oh, no, how am I supposed to top this? <laughs> I feel like everyone's been there. It definitely has, like, great merch potential, too. Someone who doesn't have a sister, but I could see myself wearing a t-shirt or having a tote bag and then like, right, well. My mom is a seamstress. I should tell, we should definitely make that first line. That would be a very, like, attention-grabbing merch item. I'd never thought of that before. Speaking of relatable things, um, what, or maybe it's not relatable, I'm not going to cast dispersions here. Uh, what was your initial inspiration for the story? That is, it's very funny when I am promoting this book because um, so much of the really exciting parts of it are spoilers. And so I can't all, often like explain certain elements. Like the book is actually inspired by a real true crime story, but I can't tell you which true crime story because that will spoil the ending of the book. Um, but I can say that it was like a hundred years ago and a girl went missing and she was found in a place that she shouldn't have been. And there were like some kind of iffy details on whether or not this was actually the girl who went missing, but the family so wanted their nightmare to be over that they were willing to look past that. Um, and I thought it was really interesting. This true story that had kind of been like twisted by time and folklore and I wondered what that might look like in the present um but then I thought like who can be suspicious of somebody that something awful has happened to because like kind of makes you a not a great person to be like suspicious of somebody who's gone through a trauma and then I thought 
well, but it must not be easy to be like a family member of somebody who's gone through a trauma because it's always about them. And then that clicked in my head. It has to be a sibling because a sibling will have a lot of complicated feelings and they'll know that they can't really be fully honest about them um, because they care about their family and they don't want to upset things further. Yeah, that's super interesting. I feel like I definitely, as a as a sibling to many siblings, <laughs> I definitely like, like picked up on that and like kind of going off of that, your two like characters, Casey and Sutton, like their like dynamic, their sibling dynamic is like very much central to the story. And so how did you approach that relationship um, and like how it develops? And then were there any things that were like particularly difficult about that? That is like the most common question I get asked is like, do you have a sister? And what does she think of that opening line? Um, (laughs) I don't actually have any sisters. I have three brothers and I have three brothers because my mom also wanted me to have a sister, but eventually she gave up. Uh, So that the sibling dynamic and like the deep passion but also like deep hatred sometimes uh, definitely comes from my own sibling relationships let me just say as someone with I have a younger sister and I do have brothers but the younger sister is one I grew up with it was very relatable um their dynamic so good job there <laughs> without having a sister um and know it like having like the clashes of like you have my stuff mm-hmm. uh, and then like all the break up from there um, and I think that comes out a lot in their, their dynamic, um, and comes to head with so many different things that they're going through from like resentment with that they have towards each other. Um, and I think that's every sibling dynamic, the, despite like whatever gender, um, like the birth order, the, one of the younger kids thinks the older kid is getting something and then the older kid thinks the younger kid is, so there's always something, uh, going on in that. Um, and no, I'm sorry, I am all over the place right now. I have one question. I'm going to skip ahead of you because I didn't yeah. write it down, but um, I got it during mm-hmm. this conversation. Was there ever a moment in which one of your brothers was like, wait, about <laughs> me? Or wait a second. Or did they read the okay. book trying to find or pinpoint things about them? Because like, my brother does that where, you know, if he listens to the podcast or what, that like read something that I wrote, not that I write very often, but like, he'll be like, wait a second. <laughs> wait a second, I'm trying to like figure out. Right. right. Is it this is, play about it, us? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Am I the bad guy? You know, like, I think it, it's, it's very funny. And I can say this because I know that my brothers probably won't listen to this podcast. No. Um, and not, that's not anything against the podcast. It's just that like the, the day before my, my launch event at home. I was on book tour. I went to like six different cities and I was only home for 12 hours on one day. Like the day before I was to take a red eye back home for my, for my event, my brothers told my mom, they didn't want to drive 45 minutes from Tacoma to Seattle to sit at my (laughs) event. And she's like, this is like her wedding. (laughs) You guys need to be there. Um, and they didn't show up. And, and, uh, I've been, holding a major grudge about them ever since and they have not even bought the book so uh they definitely have not had literally play about us <laughs> yet but so that means you can write whatever you want about them and right it's funny when i was telling the next book right when i was telling people about this like 
uh, on the final days of my book tour because like I had oh. great audiences and I was like, you guys are so great, so much more supportive than my own brothers. <laughs> and they're all like, and, and they were like, eh, that's kind of very, very dangerous to piss off a writer. Like, <laughs> like because what could I do to them in the next book? And my mom was very angry because she's like, if you oh, read the that. book, you would understand how cruel you're being. <laughs> um, but like, mm-hmm. it was very funny having to talk about like overcoming like sibling problems and like a strong it's such a, family like, complicated, bonds. Like, yeah, it's such a complicated oh, like relationship. <laughs> and just like, it's I would really come home about this. Like, you grow up with them, and, like, so it's the first people that you, like, have these, like, deep relationships with that are, like, your age, but then they also yeah. are annoying and <laughs> do things where you're just like, well, what was that? Why would you do this? Why would you do this to me? Like, I thought we were cool. They're your first, they're, like, yeah, your first exactly. friends and your right, first enemies. I just spent haters. the weekend with my brother. Yes. Your friend of these. I just spent the whole There's weekend so with my brother, and the first friends. thing that he wrote on social media was like i'm so glad to be rid of her I was like, no first off first off i'm still in the car <laughs> not actually like we are like we are, like just got home we're not you're not rid of me yet secondly like i can see this like, like, I, so yeah siblings yeah i mean it's it's i don't go seeking out negative reviews but once I, I saw a couple of the early ones and it seemed like a common thread was people not understanding why the sisters like were so angry at each other. It was like, because they said, I don't like, feel like they had a really valid reason to like, be nobody that mad. Why do you need a valid reason, reason to be mad at your sister? I was like, it's because like... they're siblings. Like, <laughs> like, because because as you said, they're like your first friend, they're your first enemy. Like, nobody Mm -hmm. can piss you off like your sibling but also you don't want anybody but you to hurt your sibling like one of the titles we were considering for the book um was no one can hurt you but me um and and so i guess that's like definitely something i deal with with my brothers because they tried to come to a later event to make up for missing my launch event and they brought like five dollar five dollar flowers they bought at a grocery store that matched the cover of the other author i was doing an event with and when they walked over and they're like you did a good job here and i was i just kind of sidestepped the flowers they were like well all right we're leaving (laughs) it's just like uh because obviously it was pet- petty of me not to take the olive branch as it was, but also like siblings, they don't always know how to fix an issue because he, my brother apparently went home and told my mom that he thought I did a great right. job at commanding the audience, yeah. that I was um, really engaged, that no. he could definitely tell that like he was proud of me, but he didn't say any of that to me because he was pissed at me and so he just left and that's a big that's basically what Sen and Casey are going through through the whole book they care a lot about the same things but they are afraid to bring that up to each other because they are terrified that if they are that vulnerable they're only going to be met with further cruelty so I, instead this they also was them. not a question but it's um on my mind because it was a, like the main contention between the two of them and it's very central to the what you just said about was like 
um, them caring about their grandmother. It's not a spoiler that like their grandmother had passed away and left behind um, a bracelet. Um, and so they're like at a tender hooks about like who should have it and who she promised it to. And this like is like a central like conflict between the two of them. And so it's very, it's not surprising when the story opens, she's not sad that her sister is gone because she's like, like F her. Like the last thing she did was super awful to me and I can't, I'm, I'm not upset that she's like, she's, she's, is she, is she gone or is she just missing? Um, mm-hmm. so what it when as you're writing we're writing the story did you how much did you have to put into not only the sibling dynamics but also like as you're talking about like your mom and how she's kind of like getting the like middle person between you and your brothers how did you feel about also writing the parents and how they are responding to this like volatile situation in their own house you know right um i have a critique partner who absolutely hates their mom every time anybody says that they did not like madison Carrington, i tell her and she's like yes i'm never a member for my fan club um uh because i feel like they handle it in different ways um and there is a moment in the book where the mother actually confesses to Casey that for a moment there, she worried that Casey might've done something to her sister. And it's an awful thing to admit. And she tries to make it better by saying like, if something had happened to you, I kind of would have suspected her too, Um, which doesn't make it any better. Uh, But it is kind of hard. Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot easier to micromanage and be an in-between between your children when something catastrophic has not happened. Um, I found writing the parents to be really interesting because I feel like every member of the Kirtan family is traumatized in a completely different way. Um, obviously, Casey is struggling with like her own feelings about what happened, but also her, her anger that she cannot address with her sister. Um, Sutton is all sorts of messed up. Uh, Madison, all she wanted was her daughter back. And she gets her daughter back and her daughter wants nothing to do with her and only wants to hang out with the the one person in the house that like she could not stand at any at any time and the father like he tried really hard to be like the perfect model minority in order to protect his family from pain that he and people he loved had experienced in the past and it wasn't enough and he doesn't really know how to handle that um that's one thing I really liked um, is that all of these different hurts, how they interacted with each other. Yeah, I love that. Um, so the Shadow Sister also like it tackles the issues of like around black girls who go missing both at like a higher rate and then with less like publicity and like public concern from than like their white counterparts. And so the book spends a lot of time kind of like talking about that and showing that um so what made you want to explore that issue and then how like did you kind of approach that i don't like to say i'm a true crime buff because true crime is iffy in its own ways but i do i do like um watching whenever i go traveling somewhere and I'm in a hotel the first thing I look up is forensic files (laughs) on the tv I find that narrator's voice just so soothing 
and everybody finds it really funny they're like you like hearing about murder to help you fall asleep and i'm like well i have a lot of anxiety and i spend most nights thinking about stressful things anyways so if i'm hearing about something far worse than what i'm currently going through that makes my own problems seem less bad um, so i know a lot about like media attention and th those disparities because um it that's something that i pay a lot of attention to um i've also had my own personal experiences with being treated differently um by police as a victim of a crime compared to my own mother like uh because my mother is white. Um, it's very interesting how people in the exact same circumstances get wildly different responses. Um, and while I was writing the book, the whole Gabby Petito case was going on. So it was impossible not to think about because not only was her, her case getting a lot of attention, but it felt like for the first time in a while, like the missing white woman syndrome issue was really being interrogated um, like and addressed because there are people who went missing around the same time that she did that have not been found to this day. Um, and so that was a very important topic for me to bring a highlight to and also a topic to address directly within the book because the only reason that Sutton got more attention was because their white mom basically weaponized her whiteness and the way she knew to manipulate media attention in order to make Sutton seem more important and more perfect in order to get people to care. Speaking of family and imperfection, um, the character family history is interwoven in the story, um, including like the grandmother, the bracelet situation, and then like more stuff with like um, the father's side and how what that family has gone through connects to the present in really interesting and poignant ways. Um, why was incorporating black history as well as like, just like, you know, the disparity of like black crime, um, important to being a piece of the story for you? Isaiah's obsession with history, the fact that he is like a famous, like nonfiction historic author, that he's an academic, um, like I basically put all of the wild and practical dreams that I had because I didn't even go to college. Um, I I knew that getting a degree in something that I was like interested in, like anthropology or something like that, was just not a smart idea for a poor black girl. Um, so I gave him like the dream career that I would have pursued if money was not an object um, because I love history and I love genealogy. And I'm on my mother's side which I've talked about in previous articles and maybe even in my author's note, like I can trace my family back to beyond the Mayflower and find like ancestors in every single war that America's had, uh, even on both sides of the civil war. And on my father's, all I have that's proof of where I came from is that his last name belongs to the plantation that enslaved him. Um, his last name is Kirtan, so I reclaimed Kirtan for the book. I wanted to reclaim a lot of things um, because we are more than what has been taken from us. And the best way to honor the sacrifices that have come before 
is um, to constantly move forward. Um, but you can't ignore the past and it's difficult to escape it. Yeah, I also like that, like by continually bringing it to the present, you're making sure that even though they're the lives of your ancestors were erased to an extent, you're not letting them actually be fully erased. You're making sure that their lives matter into the present even. So it's really cool that you were able to do that with your story. I, I absolutely, I think that's something I'm always going to try to do is tell stories where actions of the past inform the present because I feel like that is so natural of real life, but also it just makes for such interesting stories um, because you see how like these clues and like the seeds for what eventually happens have been there all along. It's very fun. Speaking of fun, this story also has like a speculative element to it. Um, what made you want to do that versus just making it like a straightforward thriller? Um, and then like how, what was the process like of just trying to like weave that through? I am actually a speculative writer. All of my ideas come from some element of like fantastical. I like to say my writing motto is I write real world issues through an extraordinary lens. Um, so the speculative element of the shadow sister was the first thing that came to me it was the reason i wanted to write the book and the it only seems contemporary until it's not because that is the point of that reveal um but it was actually very hard because i had to foreshadow and leave all these clues but i had to do it in a way where you could be going back and forth and you're like is there something is there something wrong with Sutton or is Casey just an asshole for thinking of this other sister um and I I think I did a pretty good job I think it was very hard but I also I feel like in a situation like that it wouldn't always be linear. You would be second guessing yourself, especially if you were suspicious of somebody that something had happened to and they're only being nice to you. Yeah. Plus it's like, it's not like their world, like their world is pretty much like ours. So it wouldn't be things that like case possibility consider as like possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I yeah, so I did like I liked the reveal too of just the way it was because it's like moments where you're like, hmm, that's kind of like strange, but I like to call Casey my favorite dumbass. <laughs> because <laughs> like she's not a good detective. Sometimes people will be all like there were there are moments where you're reading and you're like, oh no, but Casey doesn't notice that. And it's not because like I'm intentionally having her ignore things. It's just her only motivation is to prove her sister is a liar. So she is so narrow-mindedly focused that she's not picking up on clues that the readers are, which I feel makes it fun. I like it when, like, you know that a character might be in danger before the character does. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, Casey. Quick, I love Casey. Um, she's just a dumbass. <laughs> She's just like, is this proof? And you're just like, I don't know. I think um, I'm quick. And spend it, so it's been a slight minute for me, <laughs> yeah. but um, in reading it, if you were to like give like 
classic detective tale archetypes to Sutton and to Casey? Like, which would you give to either? Like, is, is one of them more Nancy Drew? Like, if, or like, which one would you trust more? Like, in a Scooby Doo situation to get things done? Like, which, where are they? The classic teen detective kind of like front there. Yes. I love Scooby Doo. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think I think Sutton would be a much better detective than Casey. Um, I, one thing I find interesting is like you see some aspects of Sutton through the chapters I give of her past, um, but the majority of the book is from Casey's point of view. But when you hear about Sutton both from herself and from what Casey uncovers, Sutton is a sort of investigative sort. She's the type of person to try and gather evidence, um, to try and find experts and to try and find a solution. So I feel like she would definitely um, be more of like a Fred in the Scooby Doo <laughs> um, or like a Sherlock Holmes type. Um, Casey, I feel, doesn't really crave the spotlight that much. She would probably be more of a Watson type. She's somebody like to bounce ideas off of. The only reason that she takes on this investigative thing is because she's motivated by her own personal stuff. But then once, like, once she's convinced herself that she's wrong, she's like, "Well, I give up now." <laughs> and the only thing that brings that brings her back into wanting to find out the truth is a big surprise <laughs> that happens right before the climax so i love um detective that's a fun things. i mean mysteries i love mysteries in general um and yeah so i'm just like i'm like my uh go-to yeah, like where how did i get here like what started me off in this room was, like, was it scooby-doo i feel like it had to be scooby-doo <laughs> Oh, absolutely. For me, it, it was definitely Scooby-Doo. Like, I don't want to take us off topic, but I, I've always loved Scooby-Doo, especially before we had a dog, because Scooby-Doo was like my dog before we got dogs. Um, and I remember every time they would think it would be something spooky, and then again, <laughs> it would just be some rich mm -hmm. dick. <laughs> and, um, so it was also, like, very yes. impressive. Um, but then I watched Scooby-Doo on Zombie oh Island, yes. and that was the first time that the monsters were real me. and that like it completely blew their minds and my mind it like completely reshaped everything for me i was like i didn't know monsters could be real and um that sort of reveals something i'm always chasing so yeah it was it was scooby is definitely a big spark in not only my love for mysteries but my love for storytelling also, like, that like, um, takes what too, you right? expect like, and, um, like, there's there's the it. zombie island and there's also ghoul school where yeah. like the like the monsters are like they're cool but they're real like the mummy is real and he has a daughter who's a mummy and like and also like yeah and the and and the witch's ghost where yeah they, I don't the know now but also like whenever like they trust the things like, that, was pretty cool. that you think are supposed to be like a like a regular dynamic for this show like it's always going to be a real person is like no this is actually like sometimes they actually do have fantasy yeah. elements like so you can get into the fantasy of scooby-doo if you want to yeah and not and not to go all the way i know we yeah. scooby-doo fan hour tangents, but i know i could talk scooby about scooby-doo this entire hour but it's supposed island, to be about my book i'm pretty sure i kind of realized 
it was like a few months ago because i think my youngest sister was watching it like that i think is what sparked my like i hate zombies like they freak me out i don't like them at all and i couldn't figure out i was like what where where did i get that from i'm pretty sure it was zombie island because i was like yeah the zombies are interesting because the zombies and i don't even remember that i just remembered being terrified The zombies, the zombies were never trying to hurt them. The zombies. But this sad thing is, is that like there is, it's based in the south. So too. some of them, so I've recently rewatched it, and I was like, oh, some of these are Confederate soldiers over here as yeah. good guy zombies, and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I wish they would have thought about that. Yeah, see, I only remembered. I have like a handful yeah, of things that I watched as a kid, and I only remember only being some of And we're practicing voodoo as white people, and I was like, oh no, problematic. Which is yeah. just villainy in and of itself. Yeah. Um, so I, this brings up something for me is just kind of yeah. like, what genre or what was it growing up and like reading genre, like watching Scooby-Doo or like reading books and stuff that you were like, this genre or speculative fiction like really speaks to you and like that's what you want to kind of, or I feel like, like, when, when you say, like, whenever you're thinking of a story, it, it, it starts, at, like, it, it is a speculative fiction story. You're a speculative fiction writer. Like, kind of where did, can you think of, like, where that came from? And growing up, like, what was it, if you can articulate it, like, what was it about those kinds of stories that really stuck with you and spoke to you? Well, my fr- I remember the first book that I ever read so much that it fell apart was Matilda. And that's another story that's that's very contemporary, ex- except in the ways that it's not. Um, and it's also a story about a girl who, like, is empowered um, by these elements. And then when I was five, I was introduced to Harry Potter. And obviously that took me off um, for that entire series. Uh, and then I got into YA right around the time where Twilight and like the Hunger Games was starting to boom. And um, I met so many people during that time when I was really start getting my roots started and deciding this is where I wanted to focus. I wanted to be a young adult author um, that it just felt natural to be in that world of like huge, big, high concept ideas. I do like reading contemporary books i i love a good romance um and uh one of my favorite books is the hate you give but like for me personally when i'm writing a story because i come from like extreme poverty and like a lot of personal stressors i cannot engage and like feel motivated to write a story unless the stakes are worse than my own personal stakes and like who am i gonna go on a date with (laughs) to the prom is just not enough for me (laughs) That's very real. <laughs> and it's also related to like what you were saying about watching two crime and go to sleep. Like it has to be like your anxiety has to have a meter somewhere. Yeah. 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 I've yeah. currently gotten really into like cozy fantasy and like, you know, like the co we talked about mysteries. I love cozy mysteries and that's I kind of inadvertently segued myself into cozy fantasies during this um uh reading challenge that we're in and I'm totally winning. Um <laughs> but one of the things that they talk about with cozy fantasies is the stakes kind of being low and being um yeah just easy not that there are no stakes but there are, there are lower stakes and what i was thinking of it from the terms of like 
a reader's perspective where I'm like, now there's there's aliens and we've just there's still a pandemic and there's all of these things. No one can afford a house. <laughs> like everything is even even if you are privileged in a way, there is still you're still just in this society surrounded by uncertainty. So I was like, yeah, let's go <laughs> to a place where there are no stakes. But I feel like what you're saying about like how the motivation for you to like write it is to like kind of have that yardstick or measuring stick. And so that's like a very interesting perspective. Mm-hmm. Especially because writing for me is like working through trauma. Um, and I, my trauma is pretty big. <laughs> so like I, I, I talk about like how you can't really defeat racism or poverty in real life, but you can make it larger than life and you can tackle that. And that feels empowering, even if it can't solve all of your everyday issues. It's Bayana, Robin, and Portia, your hosts of Wizard Team, a Black magical podcast for Black magical stories. Now that we've finished reading one of our favorite middle grade stories, Amari and the Night Brothers by B.B. Austin, you may be wondering, what's next? Well, we're excited to announce that the next book we'll be covering on Wizard Team is none other than Legendborn by Tracy Dion. We want to be able to discuss all the juicy details with y'all, which means we're going back to being spoiler heavy. That means we'll be taking all we know about the world and story, yes, that means bloodmarked, as we discuss each chapter. We'll also be discussing in chapter groups rather than a chapter a week. Stay tuned for the full breakdown so you can read along along with us. Finally, we'll be recording weekly again, which means that if you join the Black Nerds Crate Patreon, or as we like to call it, become a BNC baddie, you will be able to watch us record live and have your thoughts included in the episodes. We're excited to cover Legendborn, but don't fear, we still have some fun content planned around the last two Amari books and some of our other Black magical favorites. Watch this space and be ready for our first Legendborn episode dropping August 2nd. Um, so what was your what did your writing process look like for this story and then if you could go back and like give advice to yourself when you first started writing this would you maybe change in terms of how you approached it hmm I think I might I might have like taken more stock of exactly how I was doing it because all I know is that it was the simplest book I ever written. And it might be because it's so heavily contemporary, um, but I'm working on the next book in my contract now, and it is not as simple. And every day that I work on this book, I start to resent Shadow a bit, because I'm like, what what, what was with you? Like, <laughs> why did you have all of like the ease and everything just flowed so smoothly? And now I'm like pulling teeth this time. Um, Writing, I think Shadow was a book that I was meant to write, uh, which kind of feels like a cop-out, but um, they're just, I, I guess I, what 
I wouldn't ask myself, but what I would say is what made it easier was that there are so many elements in it of things that I love, of the history elements, of like a mystery, um, of Im- <laughs> is that your dog? I know it's mute. Good for the mouse. <laughs> no, 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 it's cute. <laughs> there is a dog in the book. A dog. There is a dog in the, the book. Shadow sister when a corgi. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it does. I, I I do think if I do make like a merch item, I should probably also make one that says the dog is completely fine because like people look at the book and they're like it's a thriller and there's like a dog and they're like oh no and I'm like, no I'm the last never, girl standing ever, the final girl everyone before I kill the, dog. the final dog <laughs> yeah yeah I. I, I loved writing Romeo. I think okay. that's maybe, maybe that's it. There's Here's a, pet here in is new a book. book idea. Maybe I need to put a pet the in writers there. here, but not me. Um, but a story in which everyone dies but the dog, and the dog stands victorious at the end. I would. That would <laughs> be would my be. favorite. <laughs> that would that would be my favorite. order immediately. immediately. <laughs> yeah. But that would be that would be a very interesting story of like maybe like in a post-apocalyptic mm. society or something like this dog that has like various different owners and you follow the stories sounds, of the owners through the dog. Yeah, yeah. it that sounds, sounds sad. Like, oh, that would be a great anthology awesome. idea. Like, yeah, I'm intrigued. I, I want to know. I want to. I want to know <laughs> yeah, because the dog could be like this thorough line of like how certain people met each other or how like they found the strength to like carry on and stuff. but at least a couple of stories from the dog's perspective have to be in that anthology because then at least you'll know how the dog is feeling about yeah. the situation well no all of them would be through the from the dog's perspective it'd just be about yeah. different owners awesome. that, it, that the dog got or you know like you know touch by an angel <laughs> there should totally be a touch Oh my god, I would love that. Should totally be like I would love a an Touched angel, by an Angel series angel that was it's... just about like dogs, That's actually dogs what's happening. visions of their owners. <laughs> oh my god. They just show up in your life when you need them. Speaking of pitching new projects, what is your next project, Lily? <gasps> if you can talk about um, it. Um... I was about to say I don't know if I I do I, but I do I do I I am allowed to talk about it because on my book tour for my first couple events oh. my editor was in the audience and whenever somebody would ask that question she'd be like go on and so I guess I get to say um there is like this running joke that when Taylor Swift released the folklore album out of nowhere um in like a single day in 2020 that she was leading her fans into the forest to become like woodland fairies and my next book is about a girl whose favorite musician drops a surprise album that leads people to these locations where they think that there's going to be like fan meetups and maybe the opportunity to meet the artist but some of the fans when they get there they hear a song and when they follow the song it leads them to a secret magical boarding school for sirens and she thinks that this place is like everything she's ever dreamed of. It's going to make her successful. She thinks that it's a perfect like sanctuary. But the longer she stays there, she realizes it's a bit more sinister than that. And she has to decide what she's willing to sacrifice in order to achieve her dreams. That sounds really this sounds cool. cool. A, a magical but also I'm like, I was not, <laughs> I was not expecting that. I love that. 
no yeah i was i was i was unsure if they were gonna let me like do a big jump like that and so originally like the first act was going to be like kind of contemporary like shadow it would like lead up to her discovering the school and then the rest of the book would be at the school but um they pitched it to the team and the ceo was like love this magical boarding school idea let's start there and i was like okay so i guess i'm not going to do like a slow like guide into there i'm going straight <laughs> in and they better like fantasy <laughs> so is this the but i'm yeah, is this the same story you're having trouble like it's like less quick to it's less quick yeah. because it's obviously a lot more complex and and has a lot more world building um and all these different elements than shadow i do love the story and i'm very excited about it um it's just shadow almost entirely takes place at yeah sutton casey's house it's a very it's a very like single story um like i don't feel like it's a simple story to read but it wasn't that complicated in terms of plotting or building out um and there also isn't a whole huge cast of characters because the family is so intentionally isolated because they're trying to heal um so there's just a lot more moving parts with this new book but i'm really excited about it because my worst fear was being like typecast as um like a person who just writes contemporary issue books and so I'm very excited that Sourcebooks is letting me take this like huge leap and um, really like test my chops. Yeah. Sounds cool. Looking forward to that. Very that. Also, Ooh. the sirens are not tied to water and they are not all musicians. Ooh. Some are like actors and speechwriters um, and some are storytellers. Like, it's just about like the power of, of like persuasive <laughs> voice. We'll have, to, we'll have to read to see. Yeah. <laughs> I also like... I. I think um, I talked about this. Yeah. I don't know if it was on. Right, right, right. You got to be real. We talk a lot, so I don't know. But like, I do love when you have like um, an established mythical kind of creature and then you read a story in which like that's not, that like varies from like what you think or know. Um, like anytime you read a story where like vampires actually can, I mean, I guess it's more common yeah. now being vampires can like walk around in the daytime and stuff like that. But like, um, or that you can see, you know, uh, you know, these fae can do, can, can touch iron. We just lied to you about it or whatever. Like, um, so I do love that idea of like, oh, there's a whole new, not species, <laughs> but like mythology, I guess, around irons. Yeah. It, I, I find it fun to like play with those elements. That's something that Sourcebooks really likes about it, that they're like a unique take on sirens. But I also like um, when you reinvent the lore you get yeah. to like decide why the original lore was the story that was told and um that's another thing i like um being like a marginalized creator um i think we often talk about like how certain dead genres um died before like unique um different not like non-fully western uh storytellers got the chance to really test their chops and uh it's interesting because like this girl's musician idol is very much like a fictional Taylor Swift, but my main character is a black woman and every way that she engages in life and in fandom is through the eyes of a black woman, which is very interesting in such a like white centric fandom and industry. So it's fun for me and makes it very uncomfortable 
um, in a good way. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. That sounds fun. Um, I think that was our last question. Like, we could talk more about Scooby Doo. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, I just want to, real quick. I am, real quick. I am very, very like impressed by all three of you by just like knowing Scooby Doo like that. And now I'm realizing that like, did I watch Scooby Doo like that? The only one I really remember, and this is because my little sister that was recently watching him like ran in the room and like reminded me that it existed was when. <laughs> Um, from um, my, my real quick Scooby-Doo major verdict question is um, a pup named Scooby-Doo yes or no I loved a pup named Scooby-Doo it was really fun yeah I, I what about it. you yeah. I did yeah I loved it out. I think it was it was so fun I think it was um, I'm also a fan of like um, Muppet Babies like the young <laughs> the tiny yeah tunes, I like, like the, the Looney Tunes like just thing. tiny versions of characters you already yeah. love adorable Always. It's always great. 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 It's always more beloved yeah. than the original sometimes, if depending on like how the stories go. Yeah. Velma, I hate oh, it. I didn't even, I didn't watch <laughs> oh, I I I previewed um the first episode at New York Comic Con and I wasn't like I just wasn't taken too far back, but I like I also was just like, okay, they're put, trying to make Velma like I was really bummed about it because I was initially really excited about it because I think a modern take on Scooby-Doo could be really fun and exciting and like I think a lot of people would be really into that and I think that's the reason that it failed because like Velma treated Scooby-Doo lore like a joke like it didn't it wasn't respectful of it um and so I'm excited for whoever they pick up to do it they should pick me (laughs) they should no, yeah. I yeah, I love Scooby Doo. It's like definitely even the like live actions. I used to watch those all the time. Like they're all they're so great. Yeah. Oh, they're I love so I love the live action movies. Like it's so interesting. Like people have such vivid feelings. Like some people point to those movies as like an example of the worst types of movies, and I'm like, no, 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 no. That is perfect great. cinema. It was great. <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I feel like I'm like I don't know. I guess it depends on what your um, no. I'm not talking about like the, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the ones like on Cartoon Network. I'm talking about the yeah, yeah. ones. Yeah, the Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew Bra- Matthew which was with Buffy. Yeah, Lillard. Matthew Michelle Lillard, Geller. Yeah. Matthew Lillard is a Matthew Lillard. Yeah, Damian Lillard is a basketball. Matthew player. Lillard. I was like Lillard. You're right. Okay. Yeah, Matthew Lillard. Um, but also. <laughs> Because I guess this is because it always comes out in the live, um, also comes up in the live action movies. What is your verdict on Scrappy Doo? Okay, so the thing is, I did not realize people hated Scrappy Doo until I watched the live action movies. Like, I didn't ever have such like a vivid feeling about him um, until then. So, like, I guess I can see it. I don't vividly hate him, but I do kind, I do kind of enjoy like how much everybody else hates him. It's kind of funny to me. <laughs> To me, it was, I felt like, it feels like one of those things, like what you were saying earlier about how people just like, for me, it felt like a thing that people like to just say like, oh, this took away from the craft <laughs> behind the story. Like it was, it was an elevated story. And then you put this element in here because you're trying to make it irrelevant to the children. And now you've lost all the benefits of what it was trying to say. What's about like, a um, dog and teenagers <laughs> that solve mysteries? And one of them, like, like come on. Shaggy's perpetually high <laughs> in, like, He's eating everything. Like, are you like, serious? Oh, oh, He's serious. I didn't know people hated Scrappy either. Yeah. I never thought about it. Like, I, 
They yeah, really, I, I was, really I was, I was like, do. Was a kid. I was like, whatever. Like you said, it's a dog. Like, whatever. Like, they're solving yeah. mysteries. That's the part. He just seemed like he was like a younger pup, like and yeah. like just anno- you know how younger dogs are like you know there's an older dog and he's like they're weathered and they've been through stuff and the younger one's like yeah ah, let's get like, to stuff and you're like, like chill that. out. Do y'all remember what we got things going on here? Cyberspace that one freaked me out a little bit too. Yeah, that one was that was they did a lot of fun yeah. ones. I think those were all around the same time. I think they call like that the Scooby Doo Renaissance because like starting with um zombie island those movies sort sort of reinvigorated the scooby fandom kind of like the way that um like the little mermaid and those early 90s movies reinvigorated disney i'm 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 a huge that's something i have i'm I'm like the i'm like the scooby-doo renaissance and they're like oh you're not a normal (laughs) scooby-doo nerd you're in deep Like, oh no! <laughs> yeah, no, I was. I remember like talking about like Scooby Doo like as a child to like my mom and like around my aunts and stuff. Now, like, why do you know about Scooby Doo? Like, we but watched Scooby Doo. That came out in the seventies. So, why are you? It's so funny. Scooby-Doo? I once looked through old photos of me like as a child, and I looked through like five hundred photos, and you could not find a single photo where I was not either wearing Scooby Doo merchandise or like surrounded by Scooby Doo toys. Like, they were everywhere. It was like my entire life. I just remember like I never remember like I don't remember consciously sitting down to watch it, but I just remember like if it was on, that was immediately what we were watching. Like Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I got introduced to it. I just know that it was a (laughs) core part of my childhood. It it helps that they had really nice um intro songs like oh the goodness. original yes one. and then uh scooby uh, this pu- a pup named scooby-doo one is super cute too yeah. i love that like intro song um the music in, in scooby-doo and zombie i love that it's terror yeah that's how i feel about the new like um <laughs> oh my god spidey and friends where my my little brother stuff but like so I, two, I was like, like baby brothers and the youngest is, is two years old and that is his like yeah. you cannot you can't go anywhere he wakes up singing that theme song he has to wear spidey socks he like walks around you know how you know how they have like the book the like um book i love him for like little young readers or whatever yeah. he's like walking around with it he's like he calls it spidey amazing and he's like i'm talking about all the characters i got to say now i'm singing <laughs> it's in everyone's head very much he's, so. he is a He's a Spidey super fan. I had always know. wondered, like, what Mars made What's people, What's like, up, love Spider-Man above, like, specifically Spider-Man. Not that I didn't care. I was just like, what is that that, like, so many people love Spider-Man like that? And I realized they get him young. Yeah, but also like, they get like them the young. People's and I hero. was like, oh, so it becomes, yeah. like, a core memory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, this makes sense. when i was when i was older because i didn't i didn't grow up with any like real like comic fans in my life like when i was young enough like i was never like you know your little brother two years old being like spidey amazing um the stories are great and then he is like the people's hero and it's like i think yeah. too the origin story is so like that could totally happen. Like, it's who, very relatable. You've been bit by a spider, and like, yeah, yeah and it's like, as you can and, see and with the spider verse. Yeah, exactly. And so, 
I mean, he's very sm- like Peter. Sure, I mean, all yeah. of the, all basically all of the Spideys. Miles is less like he's still he's gifted, but like Peter is kind of like genius level, like um, whatever. But he's also just like a really normal kid, and like he's um, also a total goofball. I mean, I have a whole thing <laughs> about the fact the fact that like they refuse to let like I I personally think like the best Spidey stories is when he's in like grad school and he's older and they refuse to let high school Spidey go but like um yeah it's just like it's very much the I think it's the most relatable origin (laughs) or the most like that's real yeah that could happen (laughs) you know like yeah we all can't be cryogenically (laughs) frozen by a spider you're like (laughs) Exactly. Um, I'm not. I'm not drinking a heart-shaped herb. Um, not. I'm not royalty. Parents weren't billionaires. I think maybe that's part part of what's stupid, uh, so mm-hmm. intriguing about Scooby Doo too. It's just a group of friends and their dog. Yeah. Yeah. And they get, like and like it's very feasible that like I mean I knew teenagers who had like family just vans go. or whatever mm-hmm. vans yeah. or whatever like you just get a van and you're mm-hmm. just roaming around because you have the space and you can figure things out. Yeah, a van's um, not a very cool, yeah. very accessible car, but it make it made it cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean they made they made and they, oh, even, it, yeah. it was it cool even with like what I do remember a lot about Scooby-Doo too is like they, mm-hmm. it wasn't like they had like a bunch of fancy gadgets they were just really walking around with flashlights no, they're just like, very they're, 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 they're meddling kids glasses. <laughs> she never even got like a chain to keep her glasses on her I I, like she never even got <laughs> losing your glasses though it's, it's very, very relatable relatable it's very relatable Especially, uh, this morning uh, like I said my dog was sick and so we didn't sleep very well and there was a moment this morning probably like four in the morning where i was like fine we're going outside i'll take you for a walk because like she was like the little backyard thing is not happening and i went back there i was like okay i understand why you don't want to go back there anymore um and i couldn't find my glasses and it was four in the morning and i just knew that like i can't go outside without these glasses off but how do you find your glasses when you don't have your glasses well in in my mom's case when she can't find her glasses she will have (laughs) the google home call me and have me look for her glasses that's She'll so be funny because like, i was me. i was gonna say like you know how you like find my, my glasses like you can like put like they had a sensor <laughs> yeah. yeah they should the make yeah. glasses they with, with like a find my feature yeah yeah that would be really smart. i'm definitely gonna i'm definitely thinking about tagging getting an t- air tag yeah. or I got some air tags for my um, uh, for my luggage before my tour, and it was a very it was a very good idea. Like when you leave your home, and if the item is at home, it won't tell you, at, like, like it you've left it behind because it's like that's where you live. You meant to leave it behind. But if you're anywhere else, like yeah. the moment you're like 15 feet away, it'll be like, hey, you left it behind, and <laughs> it'll tell me and my free yeah. car keys because that was a five hundred dollar mistake this weekend. And you can use the. You can use the Find My app to like find it. It will like ping and like like a little GPS, like a compass. It's fun. Yeah, that's one mystery. This the game wouldn't have to solve is where like if they had air tiles or air tags. Yeah. Um, I just I really hope that I know we can manifest a campaign for you to get that IP in your writing arsenal. Yeah, that would be that would be that would be very very cool. 
usually they pick usually they pick more like established authors it is like on my website like you go on my bio like the last line of my bio is that my ultimate career goal is to write a modern way scooby-doo you just gotta put it out Um, there i've I've put i put those feelings out there but you know manifestation i feel like that's like a five ten year type of thing All right. Well, thank you, Lily, for joining us. Um, can you let us know, or let our listeners know, where they can find you and your work? I am everywhere at Lily Mead, um, including <sighs> on Twitter. I will never call it what it has been rebranded to, except on YouTube and TikTok. I am Lily Mead Books there, but you can also just go to lilymead.com and find me. I'm pretty sim- simple to find, and I'm everywhere. And if you contact me, if you say anything to me, I will be like, hello, it's so nice to meet you. I'm very, very friendly. So don't be afraid. (laughs) Awesome. I can vouch for that. Very friendly. Awesome. So everyone who's listening, thank you. And thank you, Lily, for all joining us again. Um, Join us on Wednesday. For our next episode of Wizard Team, we'll be back to reading Legendborn by Tracy Dion. Oh, that's a really good one. Yes. Wizard Team is a part of the Black Nerds Crate Collective. If you want to keep up with our content, you can. Check us out on our website, blacknerdscrate.com. Follow us on Instagram and Tumblr at Wizard Team Pod and at Black Nerds Create. Mm-hmm.